welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Well, it's Wednesday, September the 22nd, 2021, and today we have uh, come together, Dr. Rick and I, to talk about what the future looks like. In a sense, right, we've been talking these last several weeks about looking back to the history of Lifeline, looking back 40 years of, of how the Lord has moved in domestic adoption and in international adoption and orphan care and foster care and all of these great things the Lord has done over the last 40 years. But as we stand here in September of 2021, exactly 40 years ago that Lifeline started and got its first license in Alabama, Dr. Rick and I want to look forward to the next 40 years, uh, Lord willing, the next 100 years, wherever the Lord may take this ministry. We want to look forward now at where we believe the Lord is taking us. And you know, what a great way to look forward by actually talking a little bit first about Families Count. And Families Count is a family restoration and preservation ministry that provides a platform for ministry for the local church. Interested churches receive training and become certified to teach these court-mandated parenting courses for vulnerable families in the foster care system who are at risk of entering it. And so if you, your church family, or your family in general, or your business would like to get engaged with Families Count to see how you can help with this very important family reunification program, you can see the show notes or find out more by going to lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. And I'll put in a, a, a just a a little bit of a, a, a nugget as well. Lifelinechild.org got a refresh at the beginning of this month, and you're going to be grateful to go there and to see this new website, all the bells and whistles that are there. It'll help you get more connected in helping equip the body of Christ to manifest glorious gospel to orphan and vulnerable children. Well, I'm joined as always by the venerable Dr. Rick, and we are here to talk about the next 40 years, the looking into the future of where the Lord would have us in this ministry. And, you know, Dr. Rick, as I just even start, you know, one of the things that I think about by looking back at what all the Lord has done is to think about where he has us today. And certainly we can't talk about all the things that are are even happening right now that are so exciting, but we can't yet talk about, but we know that there's so many exciting things. It's really encouraging to see where the Lord has us at this moment so that we are able to look ahead with confidence to know that the footing he has us on today is preparing for what he will do in the future. And before, you know, we even talk about that, I think the the biggest thing, and you and I have talked about this, you and I have prayed about this, and you and I continually talk to our staff and our executive team about this is that as a ministry, we're not going to compromise because we're not going to change our commitment because the word of God doesn't change. The word of God is consistent and we're going to root ourselves on the word of God. So I'm excited today to say the state of our union is strong because we're standing upon the, the bedrock solid truth of the word of God. And we believe that the Lord is going to take us into the future. You know, brother, I think um, I think back to something we used to use as a tagline in some of our materials. Um, you know, we talked about um, you know giving children a hope and a future, and and man, I, the reality is we don't give children a hope and a future. Um, that's that's God's work that we get 
we get a, a role in a, in a way to participate in and and that the the very hallmark of this ministry the thing that led us all here and and binds us together as a lifeline family is that we believe that there is hope and there is a future but all of that's rooted in Jesus and and so you know we today can talk about the future and and we you know, we know that, that, you know, many are the plans of men, but, you know, but God ultimately controls the future. God holds the future. And, and so, uh, you know, you and I today, we, you know, we're, there's some things that the Lord's laid on our heart and laid on the heart of our executive team and our board and others. And, and, and there are some things that we think are in our, our future. And we're eager to share what we, what we believe God is up to and where God is, is taking us. But we also know that, um, we hold those things lightly because 40 years ago, um, you know, Wales and, and Mr. Carr didn't like, they didn't anticipate everything that we would be doing today or all the ways that God would, you know, have used this ministry. And, and I pray 40 years from now that there will be, there will be other people that'll be stewarding over what, you know, what God has, has given us here. And, and I pray that, you know, there are going to be things that are part of that that you and I haven't thought about. Nobody here in leadership or part of our board has has even you know conceived of. But with some of those things that we do know, and and some things that we can kind of see today, it it leads us to to really begin to to strategize about how the Lord can use this this ministry and you know into the future. Um, and and some of this is not long-term future. It's not 10 years from now. It's, it's, you know, in the fairly immediate future. And, and so this is really, honestly, I think a, a way for us to share a prayer list with, you know, the folks that are, that are closest to us and the folks that are, you know, that are a part of the Lifeline family to say, here are some things that we believe God's stirring in us and around us. And, you know, just pray with us that God would lead us into those things and, and, you know, and help us to accomplish those things. And, and, and a big part of that, right, is, is are some things that are happening around the U.S. with regard to um, where we started and, uh, you know, in crisis pregnancy ministry and in working with expectant parents and, and in, in the very, you know, foundational protecting of life and, and, and discipling people and, 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 and leading, um, you know, kind of using this opportunity that we have with people in crisis to be able to speak the gospel into their lives and to be able to point them toward, you know, point them toward the church. And, and so, um, I think that's a good place for us to start today, right? Like let's, we've been started, we started at the beginning, uh, at the beginning of this month, talking about where we started as a ministry. Well, let's, let's go back and start at the beginning now and talk about what we think God maybe has coming for us in the future in that realm. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is at the very beginning of this month of September, uh, I got a card in the mail uh, and, and it was a scratchy handwriting and it was a, it was a, it was a note from actually Wells Goble, Mr. Goble. Uh, he's 93 years old. Uh, he's not able to drive, but in the letter, he asked if if we could get together and he could get an update on Lifeline. And so I went and picked him up at his house and we went to lunch um, about this, you know, just after Labor Day, first of this month. And, you know, the thing that was funny is uh, he said, you know, when they started Lifeline, they thought, well, maybe we'll be ubiquitous within the state of Alabama that we'll be able to cover, you know, the entire state and serve many, many people. He said, but I had no idea that this would be a ubiquitous ministry around the world and uh, that this would this ministry would spread around the world. So I think even as we look back, we realize that, you know, 
we see what the Lord has done to spread the footprint. And, you know, even brother, as you and I've had our tenures here, we never had this, this unfolding plan that, Hey, we want this. We want to spread this ministry to every corner of the earth. Uh, but through staying faithful to really what was started 40 years ago, we've seen the Lord bless us by opening and expanding opportunities and territories. And, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing we saw at the very beginning of this month, as we saw in Texas, State Bill number eight pass, uh, which said that uh, it would be illegal after a heartbeat in order to have an abortion. And then our Supreme Court decided not to interfere or put a stay in that. And so now it is law in Texas that you cannot have an abortion after six weeks. And what that did, even for us sitting here right now, is it fast forwarded this idea and this, this, this plan that we've had internally of we've got to be able to reach women in every state, all 50 states. We've got to reach them with the good news of the gospel, and we've got to help them understand their opportunities. And so I guess I'd I'd love to start just on our domestic side of what does the next 40 years look like? I, I don't believe, and today I think our executive team would agree we don't believe that that looks like being licensed in all 50 states mm-hmm. or having a strong uh, you know, presence in all 50 states to the point where we've got a bricks and mortar office and, and we've got lots of, of staff that are there. But what we do see is finding a way to equip the church, finding a way to equip our staff, finding a way to be able to meet with women who are going through these crisis pregnancies in all 50 states and giving them the opportunity to be able to make an adoption choice or to be able to make a choice for their child that's the best for them and for their child and to be bringing the church to bear in that journey so that the church is walking alongside of her in this. And and, and we need to do it. And, And the time is now for us to be able to do that. And so, you know, we as a team, we're planning, we're strategizing for what that looks like to make sure we do it uh, you know, legally, to make sure we do it ethically, but also to make sure we don't compromise our position of making sure that we're loving on women and we're committing to walk with her through her entire life and that we're committing to walk with her and walk this journey alongside of her to help her to be successful. And so, you know, the question that we've been asking ourselves now for the last decade is, if Roe v. Wade truly was overturned, and really in a sense, we've kind of seen that happen in Texas on a state level, if that were to happen nationwide, what would the response of the church be and what would our response be? And today, what we look like, I believe, in the next decade, we're going to look back and say, we can work with ladies, we can work with young women who are going through crisis pregnancies, unexpected pregnancies that need help in all 50 states, and we've equipped the church to do that. And that's exciting. And you know, uh, I even look, something that I know is near and dear to your heart on our domestic space is something like Families Count. And we even see a, 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 a we see the opportunity for Families Count as well to be able to spread into these 50 states and for us to really have these two ministries working side by side. Yeah, for sure. And and I think, you know, the realization that we that we've had for a long time in this is is that that we may struggle as, you know, as parachurch ministries to be everywhere all the time, but the church is already there. 
right? Like we, like the, the church, we're not, we're not having to wait for the church to be established in, you know, in, in, particularly in places around the United States. And so when we think of ourselves as being that capacity building organization, that ministry to come alongside and to be, as we talk to our staff about all the time, and we remind ourselves of to be a bridesmaid of the bride of Christ, that our role in that then really becomes clear in coming alongside and, and helping the church to be positioned to do those things well and assisting the church in doing those things that, that a church is really not probably going to have the, the resources and, you know, and the assets to be able to do. And, and, you know, I think it's funny because sometimes it's when people hear about Lifeline and we're trying to explain ourselves to people, um, we feel I think to people on the outside, like we're a really crazy complex organization, <laughs> like there are so many kind of pieces and parts, but, but truly um, we're really pretty simple and, and, and we're simple in that we're focused on the church and we're focused on the gospel and, and we're focused on, you know, on these populations of vulnerable children and, you know, in vulnerable families. And, and, and so the, the fact that there is a continuum here with, you know, with, with pregnancy counseling and families count. And, and the fact that we're, you know, we're at one end of the continuum with pregnancy counseling, but we're kind of at the, at the other end of the broken continuum with families count where we're, we're looking at families that parents have chosen to, to bear a child and they've chosen to parent, but they're struggling in that. And so how do we, you know, how do we come alongside those families and how do we bring the gospel to bear in, in those cases where uh, we can affirm that they've made one right choice, right? Like they've chosen life for their child, but there are a set of things that have happened that are really not, you know, God's best and things that aren't healthy for them. And, and it gives us an opportunity to have another way to be able to position the church to, you know, to come to bear. And, and I think as we you know, as, as we think about even that space and that, you know, working in that family reunification space of things, um, there are other opportunities that are, you know, that are a part of this. I mean, for instance, I, I think right now we, there are lots and lots of kids and families that are vulnerable that frankly just don't belong in the child welfare system. They're, you know, the, 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 their case and, and, and what the dysfunction or the difficulty that exists in their family doesn't really rise to the level of being something that requires state involvement and needs, you know, adjudication and all those kind of things. And, uh, and yet we, that's kind of the only option that we have in, you know, in a lot of places. And so I think we're, you know, part of our future again is to say in, in all 50 States, we'd like to put a model out there that, that allows the church to be able to be the primary vehicle, to be the front line for caring for families that are in crisis. And, and so when families run up on those, those rough patches, something like Harbor families, which is a part of, you know, kind of the cluster of things that we do here at Lifeline, um, we really have the opportunity to to help churches to come alongside a family to to host a child or to host children out of a family, but then the church also to really take a proactive engagement in the lives of those families, so that so that they're helping them to resolve the issues, whatever it is that's weighing them down, so that they're not really able to to parent well and they're not able to thrive as a family, and and they are. Um, you know, like they're, they're brought to a place, not only of better health as a family and, and, and better functioning as a family, but they're, they're brought to a place where they're, 
they're they're brought into the body of Christ where they can really be nurtured and where they can be, you know, where where the gospel can be presented and where they can follow Jesus and where ultimately they can grow in the context that, you know, that God has has laid out for all of us to, you know, to do that in community. And and I think um, you know, it it really I, I think the 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 true thing that we, you know, we desire with a lot of these things is that we're seeing uh, we're seeing these things be successful in, in, in places and in pieces and parts. And, and really what we want is we want to see them. We want to see them to grow. We want to see them become more general. We want to see them, you know, grow out into that 50 state strategy and, and really to have this, you know, this kind of ubiquitous kind of approach to being able to, to do those things across the, you know, across the country. Um, I, you know, I think another piece, you know, you think in that same lane, of, of stuff and, 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 and kind of the, you know, the idea of working in that family reunification piece. Um, the reality is that we know that, I mean, Jesus said it, we're going to have the poor with us always. There's always going to be the effects of sin are going to reign until Jesus comes back and, and, and finally establishes his kingdom. And so um, despite everything that we may do to intervene, there are going to be kids that are, that are going to grow up um, removed from their family, estranged from their family in the foster care system. And they're going to graduate out into independence with, without benefit of a family. And so, um, you know, so, so the heritage builders, which is, you know, something we've kind of dreamed about for a long time. I think folks that know Lifeline probably could understand this best as, as sort of unadopted here inside the U S but again, um, you know, looking at beginning something that's a church-based strategy that really could be applied in all 50 states for the church to come alongside and and to provide advocates and 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 provide people to come around these kids that are aging out of the system to help them to be able to enter into the adult world and and to find success and for the church to really kind of stand in the gap of where of where family has you know has failed to pro- provide that stability for them. Um, Aaron Williams, who leads that program for us, we were we were just together in a meeting the other day, and one of the things that she said, this I thought this was really great. She said, you know, it's like that role that for for a lot of us that our grandparents played in our lives, that you know they maybe weren't the the, the primary ones who who, you know, fed and clothed us and disciplined us and discipled us and, you know, loved us every day. But there were, but, but our grandparents for a lot of us were those, those rocks of stability that kind of stood in the background and, and they, and they prayed for, and they helped and they gave tangible support. And, and the biggest thing that they gave was just unconditional love to us in, in kind of, you know, giving us that wisdom and giving us that start. And, and so, you know, what would it look like if churches all over America, began to to put the the pieces in place to be able to take older children that are going to age out of the foster care system and to begin to surround them with that kind of love and with that sort of support and and really almost think about being those you know, kind of grandparents and aunts and uncles and people to come around them um, to, to to be able to stand in the gap for them. And you know, I've I've told the story before about my dad. Um, you know, my father grew up without a father. And he would, he would tell you if, if he were still here today, 
um, he would tell you that there were there were a couple of his uncles who uh, who he grew up. One of them who lived next door to him, who really stepped into that role for him, and he he taught him you know what it meant to be a man, and he taught him what it meant to you know to love a, love his family and to provide for them and those kinds of things. And so the things that my dad uh, aspired to as a father, and the things that he invested in me, he learned from somebody who wasn't you know, who wasn't his father, he was related, but, you know, even related at a distance. And, and I think, man, we have such an opportunity, I think, in this next season to begin to think about not just the brokenness of the child welfare system, but how do we as the church, you know, like really meaningfully step in, you know, in, in some of those places. And man, Herbie, we're seeing, we're seeing those kinds of things that are being thought about, and they're not just being thought about here in the U.S., but they're being thought about globally and, and around the world as the church is really kind of trying to think out of the box about how to, you know, how to care for the fatherless in Jesus' name and, and to put the gospel on display, um, you know, through that, you know, through that activity. Yeah, and I, I, I love, and I hope people didn't miss even what you just said, because everything that you just mentioned right there falls right in line with our mission to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. And even as we think about all of those things, I love the way that we're looking into the future saying, how can we equip the church as much as possible to do as much of the work as they possibly can in what the Lord has called us to through his word to care for and to love on and to show the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. I, I, I love even going from Harbor families to heritage builders, to families counting and even trying to work in all 50 States and equipping the church that way is really what we're doing is we're, 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 we're showing by what we're doing and we're showing by what the church is getting engaged in what we've always said, which is the, the work of caring for orphans and vulnerable children is not meant to be government work. It's not meant to be humanitarian work. It's not meant to be altruistic work. It's meant to be the work of the church and it's meant to be what God called us to do. And, 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 you know, certainly I don't want to preach a sermon, but if you look through God's word, it's ubiquitous in God's word. It's all throughout God's word that God's people are supposed to care for the most vulnerable. I mean, you know, God starts all the way in the beginning when the people are coming out of Egypt. He said, don't forget what it was like when you were in Egypt and how I came and I rescued you so that when you see the poor, when you see the vulnerable, when you see the stranger, when you see the alien, you're to show love and care and concern to model the love and care and concern that I gave you in a sense in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, it's like God's looking at his chosen people and saying, Hey, the orphan, the widow, the stranger, the alien, the outcast and the vulnerable church, you own them and it's your responsibility. And then you go into the new Testament and you see God, God, even in Galatians and Ephesians and Romans uh, to, 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 to show how our salvation is mirrored by the way we care uh, for the vulnerable and the outcast and how we, we see adoption. And then, of course, James 1.27, that tells us to, that pure and undefiled religion is caring for the orphan and the widow. I love how domestically we're looking forward and we're saying we want to see the church through foster care system, right? We want to we want to love on kids that are aging out of that foster care system, here's heritage builders. Let's wrap around them and help them to be successful. Hey, let's try to take kids and keep them out of foster care and work with women, uh, you know, to help them with a lot of different options and maybe to get their, their footing. And look, here's Harbor families. Let's help keep kids out of the system, but let's, let's provide some relief for that mom in the, in the meantime. And then 
wow, we know that, that we want to also help families reunify with kids that are already in the foster care system. Here's families count. But I go back. All of that starts with good, solid counseling as well for these women when they're pregnant, helping them understand what their options are. And, and, and one of the things I love to say, Dr. Rick, is, you know, we've really kind of even limited the pro-life side to two options, zeal single parenting or adoption. But the truth of the matter is when you start to talk about these other programs, hey, here's families count. We're going to come coach you to be the best mom that you'd possibly be, even for this woman who, who is, is struggling with whether or not she should parent or, or, or look at another option. Hey, here's Harbor families. Let's come around and let's take care of this baby right now. While you figure out what you really need to do or why you get out on your feet or you, you know, you finish school or you get something done. Let's help you. And again, it's the church wrapping around. But like you said, right, the great thing about the church is just like we've been saying the church, because the way God made it, it looks different, but it's ubiquitous around the world. It's everywhere. Because everywhere God's people are, there's the church and God's people are everywhere. God's people inhabit this world. And we want to equip those people around the world to do the work. And one of the things that we were encouraged about even over this last 18 months has been how we have seen the global church rise up to care for orphans and vulnerable children, even when international adoption slowed down, when international adoption stopped. And Brothers and sisters, what I want to share with you that I'm excited about is that we have plans even to take uh, what we've been seeing and what Dr. Rick just laid out with Harbor Families and Families Count and and domestic adoption and and, uh, heritage builders. And ultimately, that's our global strategy as well, where we're seeing domestic alternatives around the world, where the church, wherever they are planted around the world, are coming around and caring for orphans and vulnerable children through adoption, through counseling of women, Mm -hmm. through bringing kids through into foster care, and through loving on children. I mean, that's really what unadopted is. It's it's heritage builders on a global sense, but helping these kids that are aging out to be able to, to have the life skills and the job skills. So we love the way that we see, we've, we've really done in a sense, heritage builders globally for the last decade. Right and Now we're bringing that domestically, but now we want to take these other domestic programs globally where we're equipping the church to adopt and to care for and to foster kids where they are. And, you know, one of the passion areas that you have that really all of these hinge on is education. And so in the next 40 years, 40, 40 years, Lord willing, or, or longer, <laughs> right? We've got to, we've got to bring better education also for the body of Christ. We've learned a lot in the last 40 years, and we've got to take that knowledge to the to the next 40 years. And I know you're passionate about that education, Dr. Rick. Absolutely. Well, you know, and it's and it's grounded on the same thing that we've talked about all, you know, all the way along. Like, right, there's this there's honestly there is a there is a doctrine of ubiquitism right there's a there's a sense in which the body of Christ is everywhere and the problem that we've had in in some cases is in a lot of cases in orphan care is that the body of Christ is present but we haven't prepared we haven't prepared God's people to act and so our you know our goal in in education is 
to prepare families well, to care for children that have come from hard places that are in their family so they can get to the heart of their child and they can disciple them well. It's, it, 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 it's, our, our goal is to prepare churches so that they're ready, ready to receive children who, you know, who have difficult social histories and, 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 and kids that, you know, that, that bear differences but are created in the image of God and they can come alongside them and, you know, and nurture them well. And, and how do we do that? Well, while we know that, that there is this sense that the church is everywhere and, and, and that the church is present, we know that's true. But what we know is, is that we are not <laughs> like we physically can't be in all of those places, all of those times. And so how do we build capacity among the church to be able to, to, to share these, you know, share this message and share these truths and, 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 and ultimately share these, these techniques in order to be able to do ministry well. And, and so for us, that means, that means resource production. That means putting, you know, putting time into taking the things that we use daily and, and building resources that are able to be used by others. I, I think, you know, I mean, you know that I get really excited about this part of the ministry because, because we've for a long time really kind of prayed and wanted a way to be able to deliver training in, in a way that is that that's self-paced and self-directed and in a way that we could could deliver it over multiple languages to multiple people. And Lifeline's educational education portal that we've just are bringing online and, and it's really in its infancy, but it's part of this restructuring of our website and, and kind of thinking differently about the way that we manage information. There is an education portal that that is that is a part of this strategy that's allowing us to be able to put written content and video content and and it's able we're able to to mix self-directed learning with live learning experiences. We're able to create cohorts of people to, you know, journey together through, you know, through learning various, you know, various concepts and various techniques. And, and literally it, it gives us because of the, the technological connectivity that we have around the world, we literally have the ability to be able to put these things at, at the fingertips of, of people that, that we would struggle um, to be able to go and to be with, you know, physically in presence. And, and so, um, you know, the, the, the body of Christ may be everywhere, but the internet is really close to being everywhere as well. And, and what we want to do is we want to have, you know, kind of this universal ubiquitous solution that, that we're able to, to reach, you know, far and wide, with these things, because ultimately what that's going to do is it's going to make the body of Christ better and more effective. It's going to make churches, you know, better and more fit and ready to, to go about the task in their community. And, and, and ultimately, I, you know, Herbie, I think the thing that, that we kind of have seen really play out is that it brings a credibility to, to the church. And it brings, it brings a, a, a an attention to the gospel that when we go in and we're able to do the things that we do well, and we're able to win the respect of governments, and we're able to win the respect of, of you know, of local leaders and communities because, because they see us applying, you know, good techniques and things that are, you know, built in, in reason and built in experience. Um, it, it, it does nothing but, but help them to, you know, to, to view us with credibility. And it gives us really kind of that space to be able to point them to the greater truth and to the greater hope that's, you know, that's available in, in, in the gospel. And, and I think we, 
you know, as we move forward and as we kind of look to the next, you know, the next decade and the next 40 years and the next hundred years, I mean, I think that's a big part of, of what we hope for Lifeline is that we'll be able to go into those places and we'll be able to, to have influence in those places. But one of the things too, that we know is that as Lifeline, as a ministry, we can't do this ourselves. We need the church, but we also need partners, right? We need, we need other ministries that, that, that come in and, and, and are addressing some of the other situations that are kind of, you know, the term we use around here is kind of comorbid, right? Like those things that are, that are coming alongside that are also difficult and also, you know, uh, that are, that are, that are causing struggles. And so ministries that, you know, that, that bring clean water ministries that, um, you know, that provide adequate housing ministries that, you know, that step into human trafficking, all those kinds of things. Many of those things are related to the vulnerabilities of the kids that we minister to, but those are not things that the Lord has led us to do. And, and so I think, you know, we have some big hopes and dreams, right. About, about what the Lord might do in, in allowing us to be, to be maybe a, 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 rallying point for some of those ministries to be able to come together and and to be able to find it more more easy and more effective to be able to work together. Well, I know people that are listening can certainly tell and they know if they know you well, they know how passionate you are about education in general. I mean, you have a PhD uh, <laughs> in, in education. That um, just meant I wouldn't go away. That didn't really mean anything other than the fact that I just kept coming back and they finally had to give me a degree. That's right. That's right. That's why we call you Pete. That's why we call you Dr. Rick uh, is because you wouldn't go away. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, for those, for those who know you well, they know that education is a passion of yours. Um, not just receiving it, by the way, but giving it as well. <laughs> and, uh, and and we want to we want to be people, right? That that are well educated in how to take care of kids, how to meet them where they are, how to look for new strategies to ultimately reach their heart. Not just because we're trying to quote unquote fix kids, but because we're trying to to make them whole in the gospel, as you said. Um, but certainly, as we've gone to conferences, and of course, we uh, were at the Christian Alliance for Orphans conference earlier. Uh, earlier this month. And uh, for those of you who've never met Dr. Rick in person, you have to get in line because he's that popular. Uh, The great thing about these education platforms is it will be the ubiquity of Dr. Rick because literally he will be everywhere. You can take him everywhere. He'll be on your device. He'll be on your website. And so if you love Dr. Rick and you love his voice and you love hearing him teach, wow, what a ubiquitous solution to be able to see Dr. Rick right there on that global platform. But brothers and sisters, as we close, there's so many other things we could talk about where we believe that the Lord is taking us and how he's spreading this ministry. Uh, But we actually go back to home base as we close. And I I leave this even as a prayer request, you know, for even over my 18 year tenure, uh, we are in uh, technically the third or you could go as far as saying the fourth location of Lifeline's central office, um, and uh, and and you know, really, what what we have seen is continually we've outgrown the next office we've gone to. Uh, we were at a little house on Pump House Road here in Birmingham, and then we moved from there to uh, to the to to, to another uh, uh, little office building that was six thousand square feet. We grew out of that and had to add on to a one down the street so that we could be able to come together. And now we're in a, in a building that we share with that another ministry owns. But if we're really going to see this 
ministry continue to grow and continue to not just grow, but if, if we support all the outlying places, we need a strong hub here, uh, a, a, a hub where we can do the education that we're talking about, a, a hub that will make sure that the that the central spoke is, is clear. Uh, and so, you know, we, we understand that that the body of Christ and Christ's body is with us everywhere. Christ is with us everywhere we go. Um, and so we want to, we want to make sure though, that, that we're here centrally located in Birmingham so that we can support, right? We, we don't have ubiquitism as a ministry in the sense that we can be everywhere. So we want to make sure that we have a central, a central network that can support all of the states and all of the work and all of the global resources that we have. And so would you be in prayer for us that as we face the future and as we face these next 40 years, that the Lord would find the right place, that he would supply the right place for us, a place where we really believe as a staff and as a board, a place we need to own, a place that we need to have as a ministry center where we can't, where we won't just be a, a lifeline building, but it'll be a ministry center where we can bring other like-minded ministries to work together, uh, to, to really be able to support all the work that's going on around the world. And really where we're building a body of Christ ministry here in Birmingham. Well, brothers and sisters, we're excited to see where the Lord will take us. And certainly as Dr. Rick and I have talked today, these are dreams. Uh, some of these are things that are already in the works. Um, but the truth of the matter is, and, and Dr. Rick, you and I've been talking about this as well. We really don't know what the future holds, but mm-hmm. we know who holds the future. And so no matter what comes our way, we know that if we will stay true to the word of God and stay true to the Lord, that he will carry us as we go to the future. And so something we don't usually do on the podcast, but I want to close out today is I want to ask you, what influence do you have or what ability do you have to invest in where Lifeline's going in the future? Uh, And certainly we, we did not mean for this podcast to end with a ask. But I am going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, how could you give of your time, talent, and resources to the next 40 years of where the Lord would take Lifeline? And most importantly, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably passionate about orphan care ministry. You're probably passionate about seeing the gospel go forth to orphan and vulnerable children. So I want to ask you, who do you know that can support the mission to stay strong? The Lord's given us so many opportunities. Unfortunately, some of those opportunities have come because others have either left the space or they've compromised their position. And if we're going to be able to go to the future, we've got to have more support than we've ever had. Our support has got to grow exponentially. And so I want to ask you, pray, Would you? could you be someone who could give a gift or could be a supporter of Lifeline, maybe a monthly donor or give a significant one-time gift? Or can you be a networker that you know other people, right, that can give to this mission? So we're grateful for all of you. We're grateful that you've listened today to this podcast. We're grateful for that you've subscribed to this podcast. And we're grateful to continue this podcast on into the next several years. And for us to continue to encourage you to defend the fatherless. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. 
follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>